Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. That's right. Uh, we're just finishing out third quarter. Both myself and my, my partner here are both financial advisors. Spend our weeks with people like yourself. So what does that mean, financial advisor versus investment advisor versus asset manager versus... I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I, don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, so what, what's the thesis behind us calling ourselves financial planners versus investment advisors? Well, I think it's interesting because people can call themselves whatever they want almost in our, in yeah. our industry, right? Our approach, we think the prudent approach is taking a look at all the areas of your finances and how they work with one another, including tax, which is one of the major factors to consider um any other sources of income you may or may not have during retirement how to maximize those how to deal with your kind of how much stomach you can take with ups and downs with the with your investment portfolios and designing that properly to to meet your your objectives long term and then as life happens be the uh, helping you navigate through those times to manage the money as well and to manage the money yeah in in a fashion that is appropriate right, I don't for know the how you can build a portfolio without doing the other kind of planning first unless it's unless it's like hey Pat where should I be investing right now hey Pat I just right well that's what I get that <laughs> I know it's ridiculous yeah I get that a lot like, I don't know <laughs> right I don't know anything about you right what we do know is this last quarter was not any oh fun. it was not and the reason I asked that question obviously I knew the answer. I've been your partner for almost 30 years was um, this market, what we're going through right now, as painful as it is, as painful as it is down, you know, almost all indexes, almost 25, everything's down this year. Uh, It it bonds. It doesn't matter is an apart. It's a part of the investment life cycle. It is a normal you know what amazes me, Pat, is how quickly people forget. And I, I was just thinking the other day, like, whatever happened to Tina? Tina, there is no alternative. So remember, there was this was like a year or so ago. Like, there's no alternative to stocks. Interest rates are low. So therefore, you, you, you're you not making any money in the bank. You're not making any money in bonds. So... Just put all your money in stocks because there's no other alternative. Where else are you going to put your money in this day and age, right? Yeah. Well, we're seeing we're seeing the ramifications of that. Yeah, there is. <laughs> there are alternatives. There are alternatives. <laughs> there's always alternatives, right? But and, and stocks are great for the long period of time, but they go through times like this. But the, the reason financial planning is important is because if you need the money in the next three, four, five years, and you had 100% of it in equity, you were probably misallocated. You probably did not have the proper allocation. If you don't need the money for a period of years, then you can afford to take the ups and downs in the market. And you will be compensated for that. Now, in saying that, if you're retiring, you're not going to spend all your money the first day of retirement. Many of it, much of it, 
You won't spend for 15? That's right. 20 years? 25 years? The vast majority, clearly not for five years. Yes, yes, right? And, you know, we're practicing advisors. Um, Many of my clients, uh, I have stopped adding new clients probably about 10 or just as you 20 years ago, 20 years ago, you get so many of them um, are in their eighties. Many of my clients are in their eighties and um, none of them are happy with the downturns in the market. No, nobody is, but no one's really surprised by it either. I don't like in the fall when my gutters are full of leaves either. Yeah. But it's a part, normal part of the, the cycle, cycle, the seasons. Yeah, you just – although the fall, you know when it's going to happen. That's the difference. <laughs> that is the difference. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good point, Pat, because in the natural seasons, we can prepare for those, and we could watch for storms, that sort of thing. Even have some mitigation for fires, I suppose. We we know these the financial cycles come and go. We just don't know – when they start or when they stop. And why can't, why don't, you know, why don't we just take our money out before it started? The, the downfall in the market. I would have, if there, there, there are reasons at every day, there's risk reasons to say now's a bad time to invest. So <laughs> if that's your approach, you, maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines for 30 years. That's right. That's right. When I started in this industry, Pat, in July of 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was roughly 2,600. Yeah. Now we back, we were at 30 some odd before. Now we back below 30,000. Still, roughly 10x where it was. Yeah, and uh, quite frankly, I think of this story. I know a couple. Um, one of them is 80% equities all the time, 80%, and just like, hey, you know. I know it's going to go up and down, but over time, it's going to be fine. I've got 20% that I need to live on, which is more than enough. And so my allocation is correct. And the other person is, it's always a bad time to invest in equities. And I've known these people for 30 years. And is now a good time to invest in equities? I don't think it's a good time to invest in equities. Is now a good time to invest in equities? I, And so... Almost well, now, now, no. is a, now is a much better time than it was January one of this year's. Of this year. But over the last 30 years, there have been multiple times that were much better times. And the reality is the risk tolerance isn't there. They'd rather not make the money than lose a dime. Well, for most people, it, and, and part of it is an education process, right? Because those that, that, that take the time to understand how these cycles work and why they're temporary – why these declines are always temporary. The, the emotions are still there. Nobody likes looking on their accounts when they're down. I don't either. Yes. Nobody likes it, right? And then you start thinking, well, what if this continues? How much How much lower can this go? Or this and, is how long it took me to actually make this money. I lost 100 grand. It took me a year to make this money. By the way, most people never say that when they're making the money, when the accounts are going up, only when they go down. Yeah, but let's say you hit you you retired at the beginning of the year. You had two million dollars oh, saved that's up. Rough. You're highly diversified. You still may be down fifteen or twenty percent. Yes, it's rough. And you're thinking, "Holy smokes, do I have to go back to work?" And this if you're two, allocated properly, of course not. But this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And you might be thinking, "I've heard this story so many times. Why don't they tell us a different story?" Well. 
This story is as old as time itself. Asset prices go up and down. Let's, uh, we're starting in Northern California, talking with Bob. Bob, you are with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. How Hi, are Bob. you guys today? Good. Good, Bob. What can we do for you? Uh, my wife and I have listened to your uh, show for several years now. We've really learned a lot from you, and um, I got a couple questions today. Fire away. So I am 65. My wife is 62. We've been retired about three years now. Um, enjoyed the fabulous run-up of the investment accounts during the good times, and now we're trying to just do things right while while the pullback's happening. And in that regard, you know, we've watched our – accounts drop about 19% this year. And so my question has both to do with uh, when to take Social Security and sort of interrelated um, about taking uh, withdrawals from your from your accounts during a declining market. You know, the, my inclination is, boy, we should pull back, we should pull back, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily necessary or a good idea. Pull back as far as reducing your stock or pull back on your expenditures? Pull back on expenditures. Okay. So let's let's uh, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, you own a home? Yes. It's paid for? Paid for. Okay. Uh, do you own any other real estate? Uh, no and no other debt. Okay. And how? what is your account size, uh, approximately? All the investable assets, including money and bank accounts. Um, about 3.1. And what are you living on? We just analyzed that and our all in costs seem to be about 145,000 a year. And where's it coming from now? I have a pension. It's, uh, uh, non, uh, no cola. It's about 57,000 a year. And if you And, and your wife, does she have a pension as well or? Uh, she'll have a just a few hundred dollar pension at age sixty five. Um, other income, I do get uh, about fifty six hundred a year from the from the VA. Um, and other than that, we're we're bridging right now. We're taking um, about seventy five hundred a month uh, from our investments. So that's been about a three percent distribution. A normal life expectancy, you think? Yes. And is the 3.1, that's what it's worth today? Today. Yeah. I, I, would not re- I would not recommend cutting back your expenditures at all. I wouldn't either. I, should he start Social Security? I would. He's 65. You know, if we start Social Security now, um, we'd get a little over about $5,300 a month. Um, so that puts you at, and we, we wouldn't need nearly as much, uh, money out of our investment accounts if we start that, that's of course, right. then, but I think you do give up some opportunity for Roth conversions. How do you weigh those two? Have you done Roth conversions in the last, since you retired? Uh, we've been doing them for three years. We've got of, of our balance. We have like 162 in Roth. And is the rest in traditional IRA or 401k, or do you have some money in brokerage accounts or savings? I've got, yeah, a little over 700 in brokerage. So there's about a little under 2.1 in um, tax-deferred accounts. 
You know, I would actually do the Roth conversions between now and the end of the year, and then actually start Social Security next year. I, I okay. So yeah, because three, we're only three. Yeah, yeah, three months. You, you got think, time to. do I it. would start it next. If I were in your shoes, I'd start it next year. I would actually do a boatload of tax loss harvesting too. Mm-hmm. If there's any opportunity there, right? But I'd make, but I wouldn't change my overall allocation in terms of stock to bonds at at the end of it. So I would make, I would decide how much I was going to do in Roth. I'd do my tax loss harvesting, and then I would actually uh, make sure that you know if you started at this downturn in the market seventy thirty, I would make sure it reallocated to seventy thirty or sixty forty, whatever it is. I would make sure that that allocation. What happens now is, quite frankly, I was thinking about this on the drive into the day is people aren't reallocating their portfolios to go higher into equities, right? So mm-hmm. I, have a, mm-hmm. I have a client called me yesterday. I've got an appointment with him, a phone appointment with him this afternoon. He called me and said, hey, I got $50,000 in the bank. Is there an opportunity? Should I actually put that into the markets? And I'm like, this guy gets it. He gets it. We've been, we, we, as we manage the portfolios, as the equities fall, we've been increasing that equity, bringing that equity exposure back so that we're not missing the allocation on the portfolio. And you what, want to what make sure What percentage of that. your overall savings ballpark is uh, in equities? Only about 55%. Oh, okay. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. I would, it's been, I mean, it's just, look, it's a really challenging year this year for investors, not on just, not only on the stock side, but the, the bond side as well. It's just been, it's been a rough year. All there's been nowhere to hide this year. I would take it one step further. I would start your social security and I would probably defer your wives for a couple of years, but I would start yours because we're cutting the difference here. And then I would actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I think you should be spending more than $145,000 a year. My wife, you're making my wife very happy. <laughs> but, I, but look, but, but think about it. I mean, think about it. This is a temporary part of the market, right? So if you start yeah, Social Security, right now you're taking a distribution of your portfolio of so you're taking eighty thousand dollars a year on three you're 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 at two point seven percent of your portfolio is a distribution. So even if And if we, you start Social Security now you're much now we're talking a percent and a half or something. Yeah, we're actually lowering it. So I would actually I would keep the distrib- I would I would start Social Security for you and then I would probably do two and a half percent distribution from the overall portfolio, do those things that I talked about. And then when your wife's social security, you want to kick that into 55, 56, 57. 60s. Yeah. What's that? 65. Yeah. 65. I wouldn't lower the distribution from the portfolio. This, yeah, I, I hear you. This is difficult for me. You know, we didn't. That's why you have these dollars. A lot of money by spending a lot of that's money. That's right. That's right. You show me someone that doesn't care about money. I'll show you someone that doesn't have any. Right. No, it's an interesting. It's interesting. I mean, the reason you've got these dollars is because you've been. Look, if you think back when you're young, it wasn't easy. I imagine you raised kids. There were times when it was you were still saving, and it was really difficult. And there were sacrifices you made as a family so you can continue to save for the future. Right. That's very true. There's no question. You don't. You didn't save three million bucks. Without a, a lot of work, there. It, you, you wouldn't have it if you didn't. It, so, but it is hard when you go and suddenly now you're retired. You save for these years, like giving yourself permission to enjoy them. And the the, the reality is, no one gets out of here alive, right? We're all going to die at some point in time. And 
if there's things that are important for you to do, like we don't know what tomorrow brings. We know today is here. And as long as we, as long as we're planning, we're not really looking for any legacy money either. Oh, you're not. No. Oh, absolutely. Then you should actually, so start your social security and then do a 2.5% distribution. That's still really conservative for you. It's super conservative. It's yeah. super conservative. So that's $75,000 a year. So between the two of those, your income will go up by $30,000, $40,000 a year. Awesome. And you should awesome. do it and just spend it. I mean, just spend it. Spend it. Right? In fact, if you've ever wanted to go to Europe, now's the time. Just telling you. I mean, <laughs> the currency has been devalued so much. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. On, it's parity now. Pound yeah. and, and, I mean. The um, pound. Well, a pound's almost a parity too. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly. Yeah. Wow. So. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, Hi, listen, uh, listen. Uh, you know, I, I hope your wife has been listening and will listen to the tape of the show because uh, maybe it's the reinforcement that you need. <laughs> it's not easy. It, truly, it's not easy spending money. In fact, Scott and I were just got in the studio today. We <laughs> yeah, I appreciate joking. the call, Bob. We were joking that <laughs> I am I'm like, yeah, it was like the old days. I'm wearing this uh, dress shirt two days in a row. And I said to Pat, I'm wearing the same shirt. It's my second day wearing this as well. But when I started in the business, I would try to get as many days out of the same dress shirt as I possibly could. Yeah, because it's expensive getting a dry clean. Yeah. I don't worry about that as much anymore, but I don't, but I still, just because I can afford to dry clean it. Now you didn't, you didn't change your your behavior this year because of the bear market. It's just. That's that's who I am. Yes. Yeah. You're not going to waste money. You'll spend money in areas that might seem like a large, large amount, but you get you get utility for that. Uh, th- correct. And quite frankly, I think I look pretty good on the shirts that I've been wearing <laughs> two days in a row. What does the people in the control booth look? How do you think? Oh, I got a thumbs up. It's weird how the people that work with you always are like, hey, what, what a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't like those people. That you can tell the ones that are sincere, the ones that are just trying to but suck my, up to you. My kids are like, you know, Dad, you're not funny. Those people that laugh work for you. I'm like, okay, son. Yeah. And you realize the only reason I love you is because I have to, because you're my kid. So shut your mouth. <laughs> That's how we do. And there we go. <laughs> all right, let's uh, continue on. We're in Washington D.C. talking with Helen. Hi, Helen. You're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi. Um, I have a question about whether or not we could pay off our house if it's advisable to ever dip into our 401k um sometimes the challenge with and uh, the challenge with using a retirement account 401k ira that mm-hmm. sort of thing to pay off a, a mortgage is we've got this we've got a silent partner called the tax man right the irs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whenever we pull money out of our retirement account a chunk goes to the IRS. And the more right. we pull out, the higher percentage has to go to the IRS. So it's not years ago, we used to be able to spread, you could take a lump sum and spread the taxation out over a 10 year period. Remember that? Pat? That was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but it used to be that way. And then there was a five year averaging as well. There's no averaging at all now. So it's, if you take a large distribution, it's like you made that much money in one particular year. So what, right. what do you owe on the house? 300. And what's the value of the home? 1.1. And how much money do you have in 401ks or IRAs? And what's the interest like 1. rate? 1.1. 1. What's the what's the interest rate on your mortgage? Uh it's 4. And that, is that fixed? Fixed. Okay, and how much do you have in IRAs and 401ks? 
we have 1.2 in the 401k and then mine's at like 300. And how old are you? I'm 59. And are you retired or still working? No, I'll probably be working for another, I don't know, eight, nine years. And is your spouse retired or still working? He is on medical disability. Um, is this a newer disability? Is that, are you trying to re- get, eliminate the, the mortgage payment? What's, what's. Well, we're just trying to figure out if it's worth moving or if we could just sort of, I mean, it seems like we never really thought about it. I was like, maybe this would work. Um, you know, he loses his private, he always is going to have social security, but he loses his private disability insurance because he turned 65 this year. Okay. Okay. So there's a change in income that's saying, Hmm, mm-hmm. I wish I, are you, are you taking any income from your accounts today? From our 401k? No. And how much income will go, his income go down? What's the private disability that wraps It'll, the It'll, uh, the insurance will start, it's like 55k. And you mentioned moving. Where would you move and why would you move? See, the whole thing is we the living we live in a high income area. The house will never lose its value based on what's going on right now. It I mean it'll go up and down probably a little bit in the market, but it's in a great spot. So and we're near a major city. So if we move we in order to just sort of like just go to, you know, buy a smaller place and then just not have to deal with a mortgage. Um, the property tax obviously lower. We're in a high property tax area. So we're just trying to figure What's out. What's that mean that for your job, be, though? Job, I think I could pick up something close to what I'm doing right now. So, because um, I work for the government. So. Do you want to move? No, I don't. Do you have children? Yeah, they're grown. And um, is is your husband on Social Security currently? Yes. yes. Okay. And well, uh, so you're you're suddenly it's fifty five thousand dollar a year. What's driving this yeah. is his his disability insurance is ending, and you're sitting yeah, there the thinking private, the yeah. private part. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. do you what do you earn a year? I make sixty a year. If you started the distribution on the one point five. Uh, to make up that fifty-five, we'd have to take a five percent distribution. Net That's taxes. a little high. Yeah, at that yeah. age. Um, if your if your mortgage payment was paid for, can you still afford to stay in the house and keep be fine? Yes, yes, yeah. That's so, the whole thing. So, because it's a four percent rate, you, you can get four percent. Yeah, you, on can, a, you can buy a ten-year treasury and get four percent, match the yield, so you're not. Taking on any risk yeah. of those dollars, and then just have a. Oh, repeat that again. I'm sorry. What was that? Okay. What? So, uh, so watch with this. You you can start uh, even CDs. You can get about that. Yeah, rate you today. shouldn't pay off the mortgage, and you shouldn't actually decide now what to do. Okay. I would not sell the home unless you actually found a job in a place that you really wanted to live. And yeah. if I did, okay. I would actually pick up and then I would pay all cash for the next house. But this Other, one, just uh, ha- ha- whatever your mortgage payment is. Have that amount coming from your uh, IRA or 401k each month. For the time being. For the time being. To make right. the payment. To make so the you payment. And you can always, if you want to stay in the home, you can always do a reverse mortgage. You and could as well. Be my, you could always do a reverse mortgage. But wouldn't be the I first option. It wouldn't be the first options. 
All right, so re- first option would be reverse mortgage. No, oh, no, no, no. That'd be the last option. No. Yeah, last the option. move okay. would be the move would be the first option. Yeah, if you're if you're my older sister, I'd say, hey, Helen, uh, instead of worrying about paying off the mortgage, it's you can't. If you took three hundred thousand out of your four hundred one k today to pay off the mortgage, you're going to be taxed at the yin yang. So that's not going to work. Instead, whatever your mortgage payment is, let's call it two grand a month. Set up an automatic payment so that two grand comes from your retirement account and drops in your checking account each month. It's there, and then they'll make the mortgage payment. That solves what your problem is, which is that income problem. At least today. for the short term. Yeah. So, hey, appreciate you call. You call it, and I'd highly recommend meeting with, with a good financial advisor, either in person or digitally, to virtually to, to, to run through your scenarios here. Thanks. Well, we'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McClain. Thanks for sticking with us. You know, it's, it's one of the interesting things, Helen's uh, call got me thinking that uh, risk tolerances sometimes change based upon circumstances in life. Sometimes our investment portfolios change because of our, oftentimes because of our circumstances in life or our risk tolerances. And sometimes when there's a big change like that, I was thinking, I had a client of mine years ago, a few years ago, her, her um, husband died. She was early, he was retired. She was late 50s, early 60s, still working. Um, he passes away. And when he was, he had, was going through chemo, stage four uh, cancer. He was going through chemo and she was freaked out about her world changing, obviously. And so I remember talking to her. I said, well, let's just, I said, let's reduce your stock exposure right now. She says, why? Are you worried about the stock market crashing? Like, I said, I have no idea where the market's going to go right now. But it seems to me you've got enough going on in life. Uh, here was your partner. It looks, odds are he's not going to be here for your retirement. You don't even, like, you've been planning on your retirement together. You don't even know what your future's going to look like. You, you've got this major issue in front of you of being by with, with your husband through this journey. So we reduced her stock exposure dramatically during that. And he passed on as, uh, and um, then shortly thereafter, as waited a little while as she started you reallocated to, the portfolio. Yeah, it added back to, yeah. to where it should have been. But but that was one less thing she needed to worry about. One less thing she needed. To she worry was about. looking for things to worry about. I knew her well enough to, because she's low risk tolerance. I knew her well enough to know that if if a bear market happened at the same time, it'd be. It wasn't good. It wouldn't be good for her. And frankly, I was concerned that she might say, I don't care what you say. I need to sell some stocks in the bear market to make me feel better. You're proactive because the environment changed. Not the environment that she lived, that the market environment, but her environment. Exactly. Her environment changed. Her environment changed. And so you oftentimes, an allocation change in your investment strategy is not based upon someone thinking that now's a good time to buy this or bad time to be whatever. It's it's so much based upon having things structured in a manner to, to give, give you the highest probability of a good outcome over a long period of time, which is based upon your financial plans. And when your financial plan in her situation was not clear... Yeah, the future was very cloudy. It would, it would make sense to make a change at that time. So you're saying that psychology is important in investing. Well, some studies show that uh, working with a good advisor, you can yield over two percentage points a year in additional returns through the behavioral coaching of that. Yeah. 
It's hard to measure behavioral coaching, though. Anyway, let's go back to calls. 833-99-WORTH. If you want to um, get yourself on the program, love to take your call. We're talking to Rob. Rob, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Thank you, and thank you for your service to financial planning. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we, uh, I have both myself, I'm the dad, and then I have my daughter Peyton on the line with us. Oh, wonderful. And we're trying to guide her in the right financial direction. Our questions today are kind of on the other side of the spectrum of financial planning, retirement, more the beginning side. So, um, you know, this is one of these things that, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now um, is what I'm trying to help her with. Got it. So Peyton, is, she's 22. She's a re- recent graduate from college and has just started her career two weeks ago. Congratulations, oh, yeah. Peyton. Peyton, where did you go to school? Thank you. I just graduated from Cal Poly San Elizabeth. Oh, good for you. And what did you study? I studied agricultural communications, and now I'm doing ag marketing. Oh, good for you. So Wow. You're uh, using your degree. Agriculture <laughs> communication that let us speak into the... Yeah, the dancing raisins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good okay. for you. Yeah. What, and, so, and not in, by the way, for the rest of the listeners across the United States, this is a... Uh, a college that is a few hundred miles away from uh, where we broadcast from Sacramento. And it is a very difficult school to get into. Yeah, it's very prestigious. Uh, Very, very prestigious in a beautiful location. Uh, So visit California. Um, And you work for Peyton. So is your job with a large employer or an association or who you work for? I'm working for a large employer now. Okay. And I imagine they offer a 401k. They do, they do, and I'm trying to navigate but, everything that comes with that. <laughs> yeah, so so that's kind of our question. So um, so walking into this, um, she has no debt. So we saved via a five twenty nine plan for the last eighteen years. So um, go ahead and put me down for a hard no on forgiving student debt. Okay. Um, as a side note. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and she also has approximately thirty thousand dollars now from savings over her life from various things, jobs and four H animals and oh, good job! And wow. actually, dad harvesting some birthday money over the years. Good and, job, Peyton. So um, yeah, so she has she's kind of on the on the other side where she doesn't have debt. She actually has some some money, um, hopefully to invest. Oh. Um, well, the first thing Peyton so, wants to do is put the maximum into the four hundred one k. I wouldn't say the yeah, maximum. So She's not going to be putting in six. The I'm maximum like, is a percentage of pay that the plan allows. Well, some allow 30% of pay. I, right, I, right. I would think 10 to 15% into the 401k. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so this, is, this is what I'm proposing for okay. her um, be, before the 401k question is, you know, so you're always trying to save. You're trying to save for houses probably down the road. Um you know, that seems like a long ways down the road, but in the next five to 10 years, um, that's going to be something that she's going to be interested in. And to give her a good financial base, I'm recommending that she lives at home for a year or two, understanding that comes with some sacrifice because you're back living with mom and dad, right? And it's, I was in college, you know, kind of free, and you now I'm back with mom and dad, so I realized there's some sacrifice there. Um, but I think that would give her a great financial base going, going forward. Uh, and we can get to that. So as a, <laughs> so, I got to tell you, Pat and I are both looking at each other like, um, 
I, I wouldn't. I, I, I look, look. There. So my here's kind of my thought about this. Obviously, she knows how to save. She's got money saved. Uh, and it, it's always this balance between enjoying some life today and saving for tomorrow. Someone at 22 years old, if they're saving, let's call it 15%. What was that that book that was written 100 years ago? The, the Wealthiest the barber. barber. Something about the, what is the wealthiest? wealthiest barber. It's all about saving 10% of your income. If you save 10% of your income from the, day one, you don't have to worry about it. If you stay, save 10% of your income, stay out of debt. You don't really have to worry about anything else. Um, so from a typical new college grad, it's like, if you can be saving 10 to 15% in your 401k, I'd use the Roth option at this income level. Uh, then, like, if you choose to go to the weekend with some friends for the bachelorette party or go out to dinner with some friends, like, yeah, you can enjoy, feel good about those sort and, of things. And living at home is, you know, we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't confuse the, the money thing with the, the social thing at a 22-year-old, right? So you call my, I, look, look, my daughter lives with, I have yeah. four children. My daughter lives with us. But it's not, uh, um, it may be economics for her, but it wasn't for me. I didn't encourage it one well, way or the other. Well, she moved down. She graduated right in COVID time, right? She graduated uh, during uh, COVID. That's yeah. right. That's uh, right. Yes. Um, that yeah. sent home, probably sent home in the middle of COVID. She never went back. Go, no, we went to our graduation. Okay, whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about, but anyway, she decided. On. So she teaches at a low income school. Um, and, and doesn't make a ton of money, but the coach teaches in low income public school, uh, and will be attending law school next year, and will probably move, move, move moving out again. So for that was just easy. It had nothing to do with what I wanted to do or not want her to do. Um, and quite frankly, I don't mind. In fact, I like her living there. Um, it's finally nice to have an adult in the room. Um, so I, I don't I. You know, you, I, and Rob, don't I, confuse like I remember living. My, my oldest daughter, I love dearly. We have a great relationship. And she was home for a couple months during COVID. And she didn't good. last. And it just, our relationship's much better when she's not at home. So, so, <laughs> so, Rob, don't, if, if, if that's what Peyton decides, then Peyton decides, right? I don't know. No, if, I agree. I mean, obviously, 100% her, her choice. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, show her the as you're as you're building this income at least in the first year then you know she's able to see see things um grow yeah you know compounding interest she'll she'll see that you know it's more powerful for i'm going to challenge here if if she really focused on her career right so she worked hard Mm -hmm. she obviously worked hard in high school to get into cal poly I uh, didn't. I don't know how she graduated, but she graduated at Cal Poly. So I don't know where she fit in the class, but doesn't matter. She's got a job now. Once you get your first job, your GP, all that stuff kind of is irrelevant. But the better, the better, the better you can do in your career to become more and more valuable, first to your employer and then to wherever that leads. That's going to yield the greatest economic benefit over your lifetime. If you can get to the point where you're suddenly in the top two or three percent of income earners because you're so good at what you do, that's and yield much more financial independence. You can't really bank on that. So, but that's so we're getting up way off line, and we have lots of young people that start with us right off college, and they ask me what should I do, and I always tell them to go join Toastmasters to learn public speaking, because it, you can articulate your ideas. It makes you much more valuable in the marketplace. So, in saying all that, Rob, yes, 
If she lives at home and she saves, if she's saving for a house, I would buy one-year treasuries uh, or put the money in a high-yield She's probably not going to buy a house for a few years. I, yeah, but I still wouldn't invest it in right. equities if I thought I was going to buy a house in the next five years. Scott? I, I, I don't know. It's a good time to be investing. I would recommend taking some of that. Maybe make a Roth IRA contribution no, for this year. No, no. Cor- cor- after you do the Roth, you know, 15% of pay. Into the 401k. Into the 401k, do it Roth. I'm assuming you're making yeah, less yeah, yeah. than, you know, a ton of money. And then maybe a Roth IRA because you could draw the money out of the Roth IRA for the purchase of a first-time home. Yeah, but for the $30,000 she has to invest, I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't leave it all in. Tr- I wouldn't leave it all in cash. I forgot about the thirty grand. Yeah, I wouldn't I'd leave it all in half cash. Of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd invest some. Yeah, and then the money she saves on a monthly basis—that's what I was talking about. Putting it into how you money right. market. Oh, to save for a house. Right. To save for a house. Yeah, I would agree with right. that. Right. So I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking that she would um, uh, contribute to the four hundred one k to the amount that's going to be matching, um, which is going to be four percent. And and then the balance, um, some sort of investing. You all are are uh, suggesting a Roth where she can borrow against it. If I'm hearing that correctly, that's right. But she, she can, can withdraw from it, not borrow. But I would con- I would recommend contributing more to the 401k. And for one simple reason, the, 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 the when if you listen to the show for a period of time, where's the majority of people's assets? It's in their co- company retirement plan. Why is that? Because the money gets yanked out of the paycheck before someone has a chance to spend it. And by the it's way, by the, the best way, forced savings there is. Rob, she'll she'll have a 401k Roth option on her 401k. So we're saying do both. The yeah. Roth option on the 401k and the Roth. And then invest half of that $30,000. I take fifteen grand and I put it in the total market. Yeah. That's what I would buy with it. I'd leave the other... Fifteen thousand. I'd probably buy two year treasuries with it. Oh, you buy or, a, uh, you put it in a high yield or a savings, high high yield savings account. Slow down here, buddy. Or I would put it a two year treasury, or I would put it in a high yield savings account or a two year CD. Yeah, it's kind of hard to buy a treasury of fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Okay, It'd be a lot of work for. Lot. So, <laughs> All right, hey Rob and and Peyton, appreciate the call. I hope uh, that was helpful. Yes, appreciate that. Yeah, and um, it's good. She has a father that cares so deeply that yes. help her with her yes, financial uh, plans. Yeah, they're um, trying to think of the chance of me getting my daughter on the line with me to call a program to tell, talk about anything to have to do with behaviors. I don't care what the behavior is. There, um, I think I mentioned this about a year ago. My daughter, uh, I saw a book in her room. It was investing for I think it was investing for dummies, or Wall Street uh, Journal's Guide to Money and Investing. She didn't ask you about it. No. She just went online and bought it. And I asked her, like, what's this? And she said, I just, I want to understand it better. Um, I want to understand how this whole thing works better. Um, which I thought, I'm good for you. So, well, let's talk about. The <laughs> There's f- a lot to talk about in the financial market. Yeah. So let's spend a little but time. I want to, I want to talk about Beyond Meat. Have you tried it Beyond Meat? I have or? tried Beyond Meat a couple of times. Um, It's all right. My daughter eats it. My she does. She's a, again. We're talking about my daughter. She is a full. You know, she's been a vegan. I think for three or four. Oh, she's years. vegan, not vegetarian. Vegan. Like how strict? Like she will she have a leather purse? Will she wear leather shoes? 
I've never noticed. Um, I mean, there's some vegans that go that far. No honey. No honey. Won't eat honey because the animal has something to do with it. So I don't know whether... I got stung by a bee in my inside lip last week. Did you? I killed the bee. (laughs) I think they die anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Still angry. I don't think it was... I know you're going to die, but I'm going to steal all its honey, too. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so Beyond Meat came out. uh, It was a public company that came out in 2019. Um, And the stock went crazy. It reached a high of $234 a share. Which put a valuation on it of $14 billion. That is a big number. I don't care where you grew up. So let's step back for a second. Here's why you're bringing the story up, Pat, right? So here's a product, interesting product. Hey. Lots of hype around it. There's a lot of marketing hype around it. Uh, Meat alternative. Cows have, they're creating too much methane. It's causing climate change. This is going to solve all kinds of problems. Yes. Fake meat. How could you go wrong? How could it go wrong? Market value of $14 billion in 2019. And it was trading at $150 a share. By, by July of 2021, so a little more than a year ago, it was still... Oh, I'm worth- sorry. At the high, it was 234 a share. In July it was two fifty. It was July me. of twenty one. It had fallen to one hundred and fifty bucks a share. Still nine billion. But a week ago, this is what is amazing, right, Pat? Yeah. It fell to eighteen bucks a share. One point one billion dollars in what less than three years. So about a ninety, almost a ninety percent decline. And this was a stock. A little that, more than ninety percent. So this is what we talk about: hype stocks. This here's how you here's how you destroy your wealth. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That is. No, it's, I mean. Like, and they, like they, how could you go wrong? So when, when, like, we talk about you got to invest for the long term, stick with these things, think, don't, don't sell in the down market. We're not talking about if you put a bunch of money in one individual company like this. Yes. This is probably never going to come back. Well, here's what. If we had, people had thought about it at the time. What percentage of the population in the United States is vegetarian? Not vegan, vegetarian. It's 5%. I didn't know it was that high. 5%. They consider themselves vegetarians. I consider myself healthy and in shape. Um, Out of the gate, we have a product that 95% of the population has little use for. They'll try it. I tried it. I mixed it with some regular ground beef. I tried it a couple times. Eh, I think, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It's in our house. It's in our refrigerator. I've got some in our freezer, and I've never... I've eaten it once. You know, the interesting thing about this, though, also... I mean, there, there's some health people that say, if if you look at an ingredients list and it has more than five, well, four or five ingredients, no, 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 don't well, because it's the same issue. Well, tell me, well, then go on. Don't eat it. And there's people that say, and I'm not, look, saying, I don't want to get sued by Beyond Meat, so. Okay. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> okay, is that what they say? <laughs> no, no, no. There's some that say it's not healthy for you. Because it's not close enough to the earth? No, that's just full of all kinds of different ingredients to make to, to try to get this flavor. Oh, I don't know. I, oh no, no, I'm, that's what I've, uh, other people have said. What makes so sense? you might be vegan, and say I have I don't want to eat Beyond Meat. This totally processed oh, because it's fake chemical. something or another. I want to eat whole. I want to eat whole real foods. Well, the stock didn't do well. I appreciate that's that. why you're talking about it. That's right. You know what it reminded me of? Because there's other companies like that. It reminded me of Krispy Kreme. 
Like, remember when Krispy Kreme went public years and years ago? I remember there was an investment person in our office that was not from our firm that was hyping the heck out of how Krispy Kreme. And I said to him, you know, they sell donuts, right? That they're not, they're not a, sure, it's a great donut. Sure, they got a sign that flashes when it's hot. But there hasn't, I'm just, there hasn't been a ton of innovation in donut making over the last couple hundred <laughs> years. And I don't believe it because they have a machine that can spit this dough into batter a little bit faster. But the stock went crazy when it first came out, the Krispy Kreme did. That was a long time ago. It was a long time, but it kind of reminded me of, did it? Anyway. Well, it's been a, I mean, look, this market downturn is, it's hard. It's painful and nasty for or most of us, but it's really hard if you uh, have not been diversified and you've overweighted it in one or two different things. We also talked about, we gave some warning about these SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies, blank check companies. We, we st- what, when did they get, was it two years ago, three years ago that they started getting popular? A couple of years ago. Yeah. There's a couple of major ones now that, they're shutting down because they can't find any companies worth buying. These IPOs this year dead. No, they're 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 doing just awful as well. Yeah. 87% of companies that went public last year are trading below their IPO price. 87%. Some of the worst performers uh, rent the rent the runway. You can rent clothes. I know that's not a rented shirt you have on <laughs> because you've worn it two days in a row. <laughs> Although if you can find a way to rent it and not return it dirty, factor that cost it. <laughs> it's <laughs> rent the runway is down more than eighty five percent from its IPO price. Wow. There's a. There are a ton that are off dramatically from where they were. It's been a, a lot of electric vehicle companies. The average decline uh, for a company that went public this year is 49%. So if last year you said, I, I'm going to buy IPOs at the, the initial price. So you, you, you an investor that mm-hmm. got the initial shares, not the first day they traded, but the actual initial shares. Uh, you're down 49%. I wonder, Scott, if we compare those numbers that actually had earnings when they went public and actually looked at the ones that actually made money versus the ones that... Well, okay, you could probably... No, no, but the reason is is that in a, an environment like we're in today, earnings matter. The growth story matters less than the earnings story. And where we were two years ago, the growth story was the story... And the earnings story didn't matter. The momentum was the story. Remember GameStop and all oh, that yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah. Bitcoin. Yes. All kinds of stuff. It was just buy Basically. it because it's going up. It doesn't matter the underlying fundamentals. Yeah. Just buy it because it's going up. I mean, yeah. Robinhood came out. They put gamification behind it. And you got rewarded on your trades, which is the opposite of what long-term investors say. The more trades you have, the worse you're going to do, not the better. They would encourage trading. So they're down uh, more than half. No, Robinhood's down more than seventy percent. So the moral of the story is: uh, don't get caught up in the trends. 
and look, there's some things in your portfolio. We talk about sticking with these with these bear markets because they will recover. The market, the broad markets will recover. Some individual companies may or may not recover. And you might, if you got caught up in some of these a year or so ago, you might want to cut your losses yeah. Go and back take, take advantage of a tax loss on it today. Go back and take a look. Go back because, take a look. yeah, it's rough. It is rough. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we go, there, uh, I want to make note of a new workshop that we've got titled The Healthcare Financial Factor Preparing for the Transition from Workplace to Retirement. And I um, actually did some recording on this earlier um, this week, but it's going to air October 11th, 12th, 13th, and 15th. And the reason we're doing this is a typical couple who retires at age 65 is going to spend roughly $315,000 on health care. But secondly, there's a lot of confusion behind Medicare Advantage plans, Medigap plans, all those things. Long-term care, what's covered, how, what's not covered. You're, if you plan on retiring before you're 65, how do you make that work? 87% of people uh, that are um, on, a, on a private exchange plan under 65 are subsidized by the federal government today. What percent? 87%. 87% if you're on a private plan. I mean, you might you might be find yourself in a good position income-wise, right? And you want to retire before you're 65. You might be able to structure it so that you're you're on uh, affordable you're on one of the health state exchange plans. So, so it you said that is did I hear this right? 87% of private insurance on single payer plan are, are through an exchange subsidized by the government. Is that that is amazing. 87%. Let me think about this. And you're also, when you, if you're, if you leave your employer, you've got guaranteed uh, insurability. There's no underwriting. There's a period of time where you can go into a private pl plan, an individual plan, guaranteed insurability uh, with premiums set by uh, the Affordable Care Act. So you don't have to go on COBRA. Oftentimes it's the most expensive. And you can go well, on <laughs> This is. Well, I, I'm actually. <laughs> Pat, I write this down. Right, I, October 11th, 12th, 13th, and 15th. I'm actually going to. Um, I, I. This is. You're going to watch it yourself. I know. Well, so I did. I did some recording with uh, uh, an expert in this area, um, and this is what is going to be aired. But I also, when we're done, I said we need to make sure all of our advisors watch this because um, things cha have changed yeah, dramatically. Yeah, I mean, like there's no Medicare Part C anymore for newer rollies and that sort of stuff. It's changed, though. October 11th, 12th, 13th, and 15th is uh, when we're airing this, and you'll want to join. And you can join at allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshops. That's allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshops. We're out of time. It's been great being with you. I'll see you next week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.